All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount West Wire football podcast. Week one, full games, full slate of games. You know who it is. If, you're, if you don't know who it is, I'm Jeremy Moss. I'll butcher names throughout the episode of the season if you've never heard this before. So deal with it. Matt Kennel over there um, does a better job of that, right? But we're here. I usually, I usually do a lot of the corrections, but yes. <laughs> of the pronunciations, maybe not other corrections. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. but... I um say so you know if it's a Polynesian name, say every vowel like twice, and then you should be good. But that's what we're here to talk about. We got week one, week zero, peace out, we're done. Week one, we have eleven teams in action because you know Matt Hawaii needed that bye week after that crazy Arizona victory. Yes, sir. Oh, actually, we should mention one piece of news on that. Cole McDonald starting quarterback, and that doesn't really surprise me. I was a little bit. I was surprised the quickness they made it, but we'll see. I just thought maybe they'd give it some time. They have two weeks off. Just see what happens with uh, Cordovo and McDonald. But they it's official, so there you go. Yeah, and I think it helps that Oregon State probably won't be as tough a test as Arizona was. But we'll talk more about that in next week's preview podcast. We do have a joke I can make about New Mexico and Hawaii about playing multiple quarterbacks, but that'll have to wait as well until we get to that game. Yeah. So... Um, so here's how we're doing this. Again, if you're kind of new to us, thank you. Thank you for finding us, stumbling upon us. Um, MWC Wires on Twitter, where once it's game week and game day and football season, watch out because it can be scorching hot. It'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. And check back often because we do so much stuff from, again, 12 teams. A lot of content going out there. So check our week one, week whatever hub. Just check back often because it'll go down that front page in like two minutes sometimes. So where should we start? I guess we'll go in chronological order because that's what we normally do here. And when we do FCS games, let's start with that. Northern Colorado going to San Jose State Thursday night. Um, if you want to watch this game, Matt, um, what is it, in-person only? Yep, there is no TV, no streaming of any kind. Um, if you go to mwwire.com, however, you can find a link to tune into the game via the TuneIn app. That's the way to do it. Um, or go to the game, or I'm sure the Spartans Twitter will have something on there. But is it... I'm going to take a wild guess as to why it's not being streamed. Not because the opponents, but you have to have the equipment to stream these games. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure, or not Facebook, sorry, this other games. San Jose State has done like basketball and other, well, basketball and football different, clearly. But they've done games streaming on the Mountain West Network, right? Well, and somebody had, made a, somebody had made a note that this wasn't the first time that they had skipped it's televising not. or streaming an FCS opponent. So I'm wondering if you get butts in the seat, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's a Thursday night, and they are, they are bringing back the uh, the old school Sparty helmets, though, which Ooh, is kind of cool. Love it. And it, I'm disappointed that I won't get to watch that. Well, I guess we'll have to follow along with everybody else on Twitter. Yeah. So there's that. It's 7 o'clock local time, which traffic Thursday night. Good luck getting there, I guess. Leave early and often. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Northern Colorado. They're projected, what, near the bottom of the uh, Big Sky Conference? Yeah, they're basically a bottom two or three team by both the media and the coaches. So this, like, we're not going to talk about the NCU. We do, Matt did, did a preview talking about the game, mostly about what do the Spartans need to do? Because mm-hmm. remember last year they won one game, only an FCS game, that's it. Mm-hmm. And they can't do that again this year with uh, Brent Brennan going into, what, year three as a coach. So what do you what do you want to see? You did the articles to kind of get, lead off this. Like, what do you want to see from the Spartans? Like, a good quarterback play, find who's going to run the ball. Maybe defense is decent this year. What do you what do you kind of want to see in game one? Well, I mean, you kind of touched upon all three of the things <laughs> that I mentioned in the preview. Some specifics. Uh, I wonder if that was on purpose. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, to me, one of the biggest first things that I want to see is that if Josh Love is going to be the guy who t- who helps this team make a big step forward, that he proves it earlier in games than he often did last year. Because he in his career, he has never been a particularly ri- yeah, excuse me, reliable quarterback, and especially in the first halves of games. If you go back to last year and just by and look by passer rating, uh, I'm trying to look this up while on the fly. You know, in the first half of games, he was 16th among all qualified passers in the Mountain West last year. And, you know, he was behind guys like, you know, Max Gilliam and Sharon Jones. Uh, you know, even Ryan Agnew was significantly better than he was in the first half of games. So, and it wasn't for lack of effort either. Like he had 159 attempts in the first half of games last year, which was, you know, I think fifth or sixth among all Mountain West quarterbacks. But he only completed 54% of his passes and he only had four touchdowns against four interceptions. So with the weapons that he has around him, and according to the two deep, you know, Trey Walker obviously has got one spot nailed down. They have Bailey Gaither in one of the other spots, and then they have Lucky Nunn, who I believe is probably going to set up in the slot. They're going up against a Northern Colorado secondary that is pretty young, all things considered. You know, they have a freshman, Greg Lede, at cornerback slated to start, and they have a sophomore at strong safety. And, you know, they've got a pair of sophomores in the in the front four, so they may struggle to generate a lot of pass rush. So if, if Love has time to throw and they want to try and put this game out of reach early by throwing the football, he's got a lot to prove. And so that's, to me, point number one for San Jose State being able to kind of put this game away early. Do you believe, like, was it PFF, their college list for quarterbacks was kind of uh, skeptical? They put him, like, middle of the pack of the country. Do you think that's potential? or Because basically they usually go off what's been seen. Well, you can see the upside. And again, you know, and I've mentioned this on many previous podcasts you know he had stretches last year where you know he was able to move the ball very effectively mm-hmm. it's just a matter of turning those stretches into complete games and i think that when you consider the northern colorado you know all things considered you know they're losing a lot of their production from last year and they didn't really have a lot to begin with um you know this was a team that only had eight sacks at the fcs level last year and i think only intercepted three or four passes so there's really not a lot of excuses for San Jose State not to win this game and you know if we're trying to set the bar higher to win it big big okay because they're favored by 10 and a half yeah um from I want to see quarterback play I mentioned this I'll probably mention probably the last time I'll mention it until maybe they play a good opponent last year when they played San Diego State they almost won that game and their front like front line defense offensive line just push anybody around Mm-hmm. So if that if they can build off upon that, because yeah, they had the one win last year, but we both saw them getting more competitive as the year went on, especially the last couple games. Mm-hmm. They need to up that in this opponent and end their end their snap their eleven game losing streak, dominate this team. Even I don't care who you're playing, if you're playing a high school team, just go and crush them and hurt their dreams into the ground and dirt. Take care of business. Mm-hmm. But I want to see like love pass better. Like who's gonna like we want to see the offense. Just everything be better. I want to see a crisp, clean game. I don't want to see them for some reason going down ten to zero, have like two picks. I don't want to see any sloppiness at all in this game. 
a pick or fumble may happen. That's I'm not super worried about that, but I don't want to see any stupid mistakes, extremely bad throws. I don't want to see them fumbling the ball or what you know what I mean, just doing blown coverage. I want to see them play a clean game and then hopefully going forward something will happen that they will get it because we only still predicted only a couple wins for this team. Mm-hmm. But this it, they're going to dominate. I just want to see overall. I just want to see them play well. And hey, Matt, should we this year give scores for every game or not? Or is that or did we do? Oh, actually, I forget. Well, yeah, we did. I'm going to type these up and post these as well. So okay, at least for me, it's my part. I'm going to send out our. Also, if you listen to podcasts, we do our picks as well. Typically, I send email to everybody. All right, give me your straight up and and uh, against the spread. We're adding scores this time, so I'm saying they're going to cover and win. Like they're going to win thirty to ten. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, if there's a little bit of a learning curve, they're probably going to give up some long drives and some points. But I'm like, I'm with you. I definitely think that you would, you should be comfortable laying ten and a half or eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got it forty-two to twenty in favor of San Jose Ooh, State. Forty-two. Okay. I, I, why is that? Just well, we don't need to get into why. We'll just watch and see. But UNC confidence. is not a very good. Team. There's that too. Let's, we'll I, just leave it yeah, at that. I, oh, yeah, that's fine. They're not very good. All right, then we go to Friday where we have what three games on a Friday night. I believe so. Sorry, my schedule just decided to refresh on me. So yeah, we got three games. We have. Did you see? You put. I think you retweeted this from our account. We have, we'll start with Purdue in Nevada. Um, did you see the uh, quarterback size for Purdue's uh, QB? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I mean, I know that that's a typo, but um, it was still pretty entertaining. Nine feet four inches. <laughs> it's just like Brandon, like who does our Nevada sub. Let me go adjust my keys to the game real quick after seeing that. Yeah, yeah. It's a late kick. It's um, 6.30 Pacific there in Reno. CBS Sports Network, if you got the game, so you can stream it. If you have CBS Sports Network, or we hook you up with a free trial at FUBU if you want to check that out. Nevada is... Oh, man, I closed my line, too. What's the line in this game, Matt? Do you have that in front of you? Let's see. Ooh, they are they are underdogs. It opened at 8.5 in oh, favor man. of Purdue. It is now Purdue minus 11. 11. That seems like quite a bit. However... What you need to know about Nevada, brand new quarterback. Mm. Lee Henry did not get to start. The, the, oh man, this is going to be, here's what the plan is. Just give it to Talatua the whole time, right? Well, not necessarily. I think that's a good plan. At least start with the game. Let's get him running the ball against Purdue. I mean, possibly. Um, I think ultimately, though, this is going to be a pass first team. And I think it's probably going to start right away. And not only because, you know, Toa Tau is a reliable pass catcher out of the backfield in addition to being kind of a durable runner between the tackles. But let's not forget they've got a veteran wide receiver core around him. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got Elijah Cooks. They've got Caleb Fawson. They have Romeo Dalbs. And all of those guys, you know, had very strong, at least stretches of like three or four weeks where they were performing at a really high level last year. And, you know, even though Purdue, you know, most of their star power is on the offensive side of the ball. Points. To me, I think that there's an opportunity for Nevada, especially on the back end of the Purdue defense. That was not necessarily their strength last year. If you go just by, and all I have in front of me is uh, the the initial S and P plus rankings, but there was a excuse huge me dis- SP plus now apparently. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm you know I'm going back to S and P plus before before he made the move to ESPN. But if you just look at where they ranked on offense and defense last year, on offense Purdue was 17th. But yeah. on defense, they were 88. And, you know, I mentioned this, I think, in, the, in our mega preview, but the fact that, you know, because Nevada wants to be a pass-first team, but they still kind of ended up 
under where you would have expected them to last year mm-hmm. you know partly because of turnovers partly because of a little bit of inconsistency and some and the occasional injury but i think that's where you want to start is you want to start by trying to attack this purdue secondary you know because they've got you know at least one guy navon mosley who's a you know, at free safety he's a senior but the other three guys in that backfield kenneth major jalen graham dedrick Mackey, are either sophomores or freshmen and so I think if you're looking to try to set the tone, especially at home, you want to just you want to take your shots early and often against this defense. Well, they'll have time too because Purdue wants to score points. They want to move mm-hmm. the ball a bit. So even if say like Purdue has a really good receiver, Rondell Moore, really sensational, really, really, really good. And so okay, they'll get points. We know they're going to score points. They'll just give Nevada more chances on offense to move the ball and score. So don't be too concerned if there's like a. Like think of the Arizona Hawaii game, a lot of points, a lot of quick points. There'll mm-hmm. be enough chances if if Nevada, you can't get too big of a hole like down seventeen twenty one points. That'd be you can't. It's hard to come back from that. But if they have a driver two that stalls out and they have a like they score like you know I mean I mean they run like fourteen ten or they score quickly and you don't one time. Don't be too discouraged. There'll be plenty of chances to come back and score again. Yeah. And with a brand new quarterback for Nevada, and like you mentioned, what Purdue has in that secondary, there's going to be like. The, the over/under in this game, I had it here. It's fifty and a half. It's going to be well beyond that, I think. Yeah, I think. Well, and, and another plus each almost. And another thing to keep in mind is that while Purdue is bringing back a lot of experience up front, one of the things that they really struggled with last year was generating a very consistent pass rush. You know, if you just look by you know, adjusted sack rate or even by standard down sack rate. Um, they were in the 110s last year. They were 110 and 119th in those two categories, respectively. Um, and just to kind of drive that point home, they had just two guys with at least five sacks last year. It was you know linebacker Marcus Bailey and their strong safety, Jacob Thieneman. Thieneman's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an open question as to who's going to step up and apply more consistent pressure. And so to me, that just smacks of... You know, if Nevada wants to be aggressive, I think they have an opportunity to do so. They should be. Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's going to come down to just making sure that Strong doesn't hold on to the ball too long because that was when they really got into trouble, especially in in the lone start that Christian Solano had last year against Fresno State. It wasn't so much that you know he couldn't make plays with his legs; it was that you know he had a problem with holding on to it too long and letting opportunities get away from him. All right, so. I think this is the game in the preseason. I predicted a Purdue victory, but mm-hmm. that this is a game they can clearly win. I believe. Like I'm not going to say like ESPN, like their um, what is it, football, the um, FPI, gives mm-hmm. Purdue like a 62 percent chance to win. Which mm, sure, because Purdue's offense can cause a lot of havoc for a lot of teams, but it's 11 point lines. I think for me, way too big. I think, yeah, Nevada has a brand-new quarterback making his first FBS start. That's a pretty big deal going to be against Purdue team. that better recruits coming in. They, just who they bring in. They have, I think, top 25 class from 2018 or 2019 incoming mm-hmm. freshmen. But look for – I think Tal will have a pretty big game against this defense. And you're right. They'll go over the top and get those receivers. Like, look in the bowl game last year. They had all these guys who never, like, rarely played, stepped up and had big games. I don't care if they were playing a lesser team. Mm-hmm. These guys came out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, but had like their biggest game of the year in the one game. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think Purdue, or I don't think Purdue's going to go out with a loss. They're going to win the game, but I think it's going to be a close one. And I'm going to go 33-30 for Purdue. 
Yeah, and I mean, one more thing to throw out there is, well, obviously Rondale Moore is going to be the focal point mm-hmm. of this of this offense. Uh, Purdue was also replacing their top two rushers from a year ago. And beyond more, they're also replacing their next two leading receivers. Um, so there's a question of who's going to step up and be that complement that they really need. And, and so I'm kind of with you. I think that it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely take Nevada plus 11 if I could find it. And just one more thing. Uh, we don't have S plus, <laughs> SB plus projections at this point but the Fremo efficiency index FEI does have Nevada winning this game check our Twitter feed for those because that's where you find that Matt's good at finding that stuff and sending that out all the time so by 2.2 points interesting okay I think it's going to be kind of a first to 40 situation Ooh, more points than me that's a lot yeah um, so I would say take Nevada take the points or take the over if you can um <laughs> But I'm kind of with you. I, I think it's going to be, you know, who's got the best player on the field. I think it's Rondale Moore. They're not yeah, close either. I think it's going to be a very close game. This um, is... But I do have Purdue winning this one. So I'm going to say 40 to 38. For Purdue? For Purdue. Just making sure. Just yep. making sure that you may just mention the team. All right, so that that's like a sneak, like serious. That's a sneaky good game. So find your way to get CBS Sports Network. You said you got you got you get Hulu Live. You get it. Um, a lot of places to have CBS Sports Network. So no complaint if you can't find the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Next one, Utah State at Wake Forest. This is the beginning of the Jordan Love Heisman campaign. Yes, it is. What's um? I saw somebody like a bold pick. I forget who it was. Um, is he gonna finish top ten of the Heisman? I think that's a possibility. I think he could. You know, but the reason I, I'm questioning that for mine because you only get three votes for a Heisman Trophy, each voter. Mm. So that means enough people have to put them in one, two, or three. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. So that's why, that's why I was like, oh, top ten, like, great. I, was look, I looked into it recently, just curious about, oh, how does the voting work? Like a couple weeks ago when he's like, they're sending out the candy hearts and the notepads and stuff. Mm. I, realized, I thought it was top five for some reason, but no, it's only three votes. So that's why I think it's, I don't know. That's my decision. <laughs> I don't know if it's the case. But they're going to Wake Forest, which is a okay ACC team, right? They're pretty solid. They're the, they're exactly the kind of Power 5 team that you never think about. But, you know, unlike a lot of other teams that you often don't think about, they are a little bit better than, you know, other teams than you might suspect. You know, they won seven games last year. Mm-hmm. You know, won their bowl game. And... Yeah, I think as as years past have demonstrated, it's not easy to win on the road, especially when you're traveling all the way to the East Coast. Yeah, no, oh, definitely. Like remember, look what Nevada happened last year when they went to play Vanderbilt; they got smoked. Mm-hmm. And we thought the Vanderbilt's probably even a less in the same category as you said as Wake Forest, maybe a touch below that. But they are usually an afterthought in their own conference and division. And I remember I picked. I think I'm like last year. I think Nevada can do it. Experienced quarterback, all that stuff, and they just got routed. That defense was poor showing. I don't yeah. think that's the case with Utah State, but the, you're describing the right opponent. And I also like these games as well. This is a return from a home-and-home they had a couple years ago. I think the Aggies beat them when they – no, they lost. I don't remember. They played recently in Logan. But this is a type of game where Utah State's schedule is much tougher it is now than it was last year. And it's a winnable game. It's like when you see Nevada playing Northwestern or playing, I guess, formerly bad Northwestern. But, you know what I mean, teams who are going to finish 
maybe get to a bowl game that, oh, they beat a P5 team. Great, even though the quality of opponent is just average, essentially, when you think about it. Yeah, but, we should probably mention, too, that it's uh, Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, mm-hmm. 6 p.m. Mountain Time on the ACC Network, the brand new ACC Good luck finding it. Um, no, I put a link in Logan's preview. I think it's like getacc.com or something. Let me get that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, getacc.net. Mm-hmm. So you can get it on DirecTV. Oh, no, sorry. That's not the right website. Let me find it real quick. Um, it's on DirecTV. Yeah, it's getaccn.com. So you put your zip code. It's also on Hulu Live as yeah. well. Hulu Live, YouTube. It's not on Sling or Fubo because I was looking to get a free trial to get it out. My DirecTV is weird due to living in an apartment complex. They just say, here's your channels, and it sticks. It's not necessarily the typical package you could get. Mm. And I'm not going to upgrade for $25 like that in CBS Sports Network. I'll find other ways to get these games. So it may take a second to get it. But if you have, for me on DirecTV, if I were to have it, it's like 612. So like near SEC Network, Big Ten Network. But if you can find it, get it because this is also going to be a pretty good game. And it's basically a coin flip because the uh, Demon Deacons are like three and a half point favorite in this one. Mm-hmm. And I did a Q&A with uh, Connor O'Neill out there in the area. I'm going to post it. It might be up by the time you hear this. So I asked him five questions, a couple questions. I'm getting some Q&As up out there. They did recently name a new starting quarterback. Jamie Newman. Yeah, Jamie Newman named just recently. And like here's kind of what he said. Basically, um, he's gotten better under like QB coach Warren Ruggiero. And he did play the last four games last year. Um, which was, he basically says, admirable, which is a nice way of saying, hey, you're okay, kid. Um, a couple option things he wants him to do better, the coaches with the QB. like uh, He wants to be faster. They do the run-pass option. So look for that defense, which means David Woodward, uh, Tippa, those guys need to pay attention when that's the case to either attack or fall back, whatever mm-hmm. your scheme's going to be. So that's kind of a big deal. He's not a new quarterback, but he's a newish quarterback. Yeah. And so that's always something to look out for. Um with another, I'll go through these super quick here, just so I since we have some good info, I think from him. So like, I asked him like, what's expectations? You Matt say, oh, probably what both both team essentially right in that range typically is what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him like, so like, what's the expectation, especially going up against his Aggies defense? Um, he admits, which everybody should, like Woodward and Galilee are very difficult. But then he goes, it's a funny thing. But he goes, all due respect, which I get, which is perfectly fine. Their offensive line is stacked as well. And so they have three, he says, three multiple starters on the offensive line. And they've gone against Clemson's D-line, which is going to be better than Utah State's. Um, Boston College has some pretty good guys he mentioned. Syracuse, a couple of good players. So it's not like it's like they're going to be blown away by playing Utah State's defense. They've played tougher. And so that area to me may be a wash. But remember, what were like how many interceptions and fumbles he got last year? And so it's going to be, that's going to be a good matchup to watch because it is week one. So. You don't get you don't get preseason right, mm-hmm. and so watching what these guys can do and who they've gone up against before, I wasn't expecting him to say, "Oh, we're scared of Utah State's defense." Respect the defense, which he does, but also notes we also played A, B, and C teams like Notre Dame and Clemson, like I went through before, and so it's going to be a challenge for guys for both sides. I think it's going to be a position to watch. Like whoever wins that is going to have a leg up clearly in this game. Well, and one thing I'm keeping my eye on is, you know, we obviously know that guys like Woodward and Galliai are going to get the majority of mm-hmm. the attention. I'm more interested in what the complementary pieces on that defensive line can do against the interior of Wake Forest's offensive line. Because they have a pair of sophomores in Zach Tom and Sean Magan who are ascending into the starting lineup, but they only had one start between them last year. And so... 
to me, I'm most interested in what guys like Devin Anderson, Fuele Lua, and Christopher Unga, you know, and the rest of that Aggies rotation on the interior, how much disruption they're going to be able to create, you know, not only to, you know, maybe create an unexpected pass rush, because that was one thing that really jumped out to me. And looking back last year, both Jamie Newman and, and Sam Hartman, the guy that Newman beat out for the quarterback mm-hmm. job, they both had sack rates of, of 7% or higher, which is... It's not abysmal, but it's a little higher than I think anybody would like. So I think that there's going to be opportunity there if they can create enough disruption, if they can take enough attention away where they can't double-team someone like Galliai coming off the edge or something like that. Yeah, because you can't double-team both guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can maybe do like a three-on-two perhaps, which even then it's advantage for somebody else to make move on the outside. Exactly. And one other thing too, they're starting a brand-new running back as well. They're starting, um, what's his name? I had to pull this up. A redshirt freshman, or freshman, Kenneth Walker the third. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he played last year because it, it always annoys me now a little bit, but I like to rule the redshirt freshman rule. It's like, oh, Hawaii quarterback Cordero, Cordero, Cordero played four games. So a freshman, like, okay. So he's like a freshman, but he played last year and did this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, what's the deal? And so the running game, it's just okay, but... Here's the thing: they don't like Dave Clawson doesn't always have like one back, so they have a That's new guy true. who's the lead back. But they're going to do it's kind of like to wear you down. Like they'll have like an A, B, and C guy, but they kind of it's like uh, probably if you'd go carry percentage, like probably like sixty, forty, thirty, or yeah, they still got. No, that, they still that got Kate work. Carney too, yeah. who was a thousand yard rusher last year. Yeah, that's uh, sorry, one hundred thirty percent does not equal hundred. My math well, is and, terrible. And between Newman and Hartman <laughs> at the quarterback position, they they ran for about seven hundred yards in yeah. I would say roughly five. You know, five and a quarter yards per carry. That's why they do the run option. Yeah, and, and all three of those guys had success rates, which you know, 100 percent of yards you need on first down, 70 percent on second, or or excuse me, 50 on first, 70 on second, or 100 percent on third or fourth. You know, all of those guys had success rates above 46 percent, and so it's going to be a tough test of the Aggies' run defense, which was by and large pretty good last year. Oh, definitely. Also, switch over to Utah State's offense. I asked him about Jordan Love, and this he just he, it must be good timing for me sending this out because I was going to mention anyways about Dave Clawson saying what scouts come through. It's um, basically there's three quarterbacks being mentioned, and Jordan Love mm-hmm. is one of the guys from NFL scouts. Yeah, like basically kind of mentioned like Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson a little bit that they scouts like after Tua and Herbert are the guys for a draft because Lawrence is two years away. And so there's that, but I, asked, I can ask them, like, what, how are they going to go against Gary Anderson and, the, and Jordan Love? Like, well, they're giving Love the, uh, like, I wasn't expecting, it sounded like, here's how I read them, like, oh, here's the backhand of compliment. They'll defend him the respect a future second-round draft pick will get. That, that's to say, but he's from this, this, or this. But no, they, they're they ready for him. They know what he's going, capable of doing. And that's with Gary Anderson. Anderson, he's like, well, we're protecting or pay attention to ourselves, which every team should. But he's going to go look back at, what he did at Oregon State, at Wisconsin, Utah State before. But the offense is still unique. Like even myself hearing from Gary Anderson, chatting with him over the past little while, what he's been saying to everybody. The offense, he says the offense is basically going to be very similar to last year. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I really want to see from this team because they basically have a brand new offensive line. They have Gerald Bright running back. They have Jalen Warren, who people love from Snow College, who was a Juco player of the year last year. Um, i just not sure what the offense will do. That's my biggest thing about this game. Defense will be fine. I don't think there'll be an issue of them getting blown out. They'll 
Wake Forest will score some points because they have, a, like you mentioned, the 1,000-yard runner. They have multiple guys who run the ball very well. I'm just wondering, offense also has a brand new set of receivers as well. Love Jordan Love's good, but how good are you if you have a brand new set of like nine new guys around you? I mean, I think to me the bigger question is, you know, how much of a compliment is the running game going to be? Because in the last year between Darwin Thompson and, and Bright, you know, they were able to get off to strong starts a lot of the time. You know, in the first quarter of games, they ran for over six yards per carry. And, you know, I think the battle in the trenches between the four new starters that the Aggies have on their offensive line uh, and the three or four new starters that Wake Forest has on their own defensive line, you know, because they're starting two redshirt freshmen at defensive tackle and defensive end, and they've got a pair of sophomores lining up at nose tackle. Yeah. Um, how well are those guys going to hold up against an Aggie defense that, if it's going to be the same as last year? You know, there's they're going to you know have to try and run the football right down their throat with Bright and Warren. That's why they're gonna and they're gonna do it fast too. So mm-hmm. how well is Wake Forest gonna be able to respond to that kind of tempo? That's the exact thing. So I asked him like I knew I knew Connor from Winston Stanley Journal would he wouldn't give me like a straight up prediction. So I'm like, how do you see this game playing out? Because you gotta ask the question that way, not who's gonna win. And blah blah blah. He thinks a ton of points, which surprised me a touch a little bit because I think Utah State's defense is a little bit better overall but what you just mentioned is basically is keep the game whoever wins wake forest's defensive line which you mentioned but two starters versus that aggie offensive line which is inexperienced and i think one guy started multiple games last year mm-hmm. and so high points he thinks whoever um wind up whoever's gonna win might have 40 points that's so, interesting yeah because they're over under 60 it which is. could mean winner probably it could be like a 40 to 20 game but it's not gonna be that but if you look at the three and a half it's like 33 27 mm-hmm. i i gotta go with my pick i cannot are you strange from your your spreadsheet picks matt for week one or not i do not no okay i picked utah state to win mm-hmm. and for a score i think they'll cover three and a half they'll cover and also hey we didn't even mention utah state's kicker he's pretty good it may come down to a field goal that's true. I'm just saying that there's an edge right there. And Savon Scarver, who we did not mention, is he going to break out instead of instead of only being an All-American return guy, be the number one receiver and get some big plays? We'll see. This game has a lot of unknowns for, for Utah State I want to see on offense specifically. But I think it's going to be about a touchdown game. I'm going to go 35-28 Utah State. I think it's going to be pretty close. And I'm, I do want to mention that – FBI does have the Aggies winning this game. They project them to beat Wake Forest by seven and a half points. FP, FEI loves the Mountain West apparently in week one, I noticed. So far, yeah. So yeah, so far. So what, just, what, do you, what do you got? I think that there's gonna be some not not necessarily a hangover, but I think it's it's hard to win on the road, especially when you're traveling. Mm-hmm. So I think it's gonna be close one way or the other. But I did have Wake Forest winning this game to begin with, and so I'm sticking with that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say 31-30, Demon Deacons. 31-30, close one. So we're just to pick the over, but pick the uh, Aggies cover as well. So, Yeah. All right, that's a good one. Next game, it's also Friday night. A trio of Friday night games. Colorado State versus Colorado. Rocky Mountain Showdown in Denver, which is um, a rival. Can Mike Bobo get a rival or victory? He's not very good at those games. I certainly hope so. ESPN. 7 p. Excuse me, 8 p.m. local time. So a little bit later night there in Denver. It is getting a touch cooler, but it's still be fine that night. Not too cold, obviously, sitting late August. So here's what I know about the Rams, Matt. Oh, also, really quick, Colorado, I think this is an absurd 13.5-point line. You think so? I do. I don't, Colorado's not very good. 
They haven't had much trouble covering these spreads in years past. You're not wrong with that. <laughs> I will say this. I like Colin Hill better than Steven Montez. I mean, Montez isn't bad. You know why he's not bad? He could chuck it to, what's his name? Who's LaVisca gonna... Chenault. Yeah, LaVisca. I was going to say Latavius, but I knew that wasn't right. LaVisca. Basically, that combination is like when Johnny Manziel chucked it to Mike Evans at Texas A&M. You got the good receiver who will just catch it because you get it within the zip code. So here's the thing, though. I mean, Chenault obviously is awesome. Mm -hmm. But last year, they had three guys with catch rates of over 70% who had at least 40 targets coming back. They did. Chenault, Katie Nixon, and Tony Brown. All three of those guys are coming back. To me, what will be most interesting to watch is they weren't necessarily an efficient offense last year despite that catch rate. But But they were very explosive on offense. Which, which you may not necessarily get that impression by you know the yards per catch that those three guys had. Because Chenault, for all that he was able to do, he only averaged 11.8 yards per catch. And you know nobody topped 12.2 yards per catch, and that was Nixon. So you know, I think it's going to be a lot tougher test than a lot of people think, just because you know everybody thinks about Chenault, but they have those complementary pieces too. That really have make the that really made the offense work when it was at its best last year. So what do you, I like the matchup. I did. A, I'm doing a Q and A with the guys from Ralphie Reports. Haven't gotten answers back yet, but I thought Rashard Ajayi and the, that matchup is going to be one of the best to watch in the game. Yeah, because that's something to watch because both the guys are really good. We know he's. I think he's the, the best receiver in the country. You would say just about. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty tough matchup and. Historically, Matt, the Rams secondary has been, let's just say bad, to be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not very good. And so they need a Jai to do something. Defense in general has been bad. So like you mentioned, they spread the ball around. Let's just say Ajayi loosely shuts the receive, receiving game down on his end. Let's say like four for 50, which is still solid, but nothing explosive. And they go, and they have all these other guys. They need, if he shuts it down, the other guy's got to step up because that's the biggest challenge. Because the Buffs can win, which I still think they probably will. They can still win if they shut down one guy. It's not like, like he's the main guy. It's not like he's getting a fifteen hundred yard a year. You know what I mean? And fifteen touchdowns as a wideout. Yeah. And so Montez, he had only nineteen touchdowns to nine picks last year. Reasonably good, like you said. They caught the ball everywhere, but this defense, like, not that's weird, just lame to say what I'm going to say, but it just got to be better. It's like they need people. This needs to be defense. It's been so bad for so many years. Do something because Colorado's probably be okay, but they're not this amazing team. And so it's got to be a game where it needs to be much more competitive. They got blown out what two of the past two years. Three years ago, they did nothing with Richard Higgins. Like they, oh, we got this great offense, just scoring what six points or ten points in that weird game a couple years mm-hmm. ago. It's like the defense has to step up because the offense, like if we go to Warren Jackson, he's probably within the same range. Of what Colorado has, and so they—it's going to be—I I think there are going to be a lot of passing yards in this game. I mean, I definitely think you're right. I think they're going to want to lead with the pass, especially since Colorado's secondaries—you uh, know—they're fine, but they are having to replace both of their safeties. From, <coughs> excuse me, from last year. So there may be an opportunity for you know not only Jackson, but I think the young guys who are in that wide receiver rotation now may play a critical role. You know, if if Brendan Fulton, for instance, can be, 
the new Joe Hansley, or if EJ Scott or Nico Hall can stretch the field in a way that, you know, in a Michael Gallup-esque way. And I know that's setting the bar real high, <laughs> you know, by name comp, but just kind of playing that that vertical role. I think that that was something that was missing at times last year for the Rams. And especially if they're if they want to test over the middle between the seams, you know, the Buffaloes do have you know, Mikhail Onu and Aaron Maddox who have been in the system, but again, they haven't really started full time and there's a chance I think for the Rams you know, if they can get that big play early and really put Colorado on its heels, you know, they can force them to be one dimensional and play the way that they want to. Exactly. One little secret I, I've heard. What's that? Um, you've heard of a Nate Craig Myers, right? I have. Um, he's trying to get eligible for game one. Hmm. Apparently, it's a maybe. So, we'll see. They've been hiding it quite well. If they've been working on it. I've heard a few things about what might be the case. But uh, he may, if he doesn't come back tonight, it'll be like week four or Friday. But they're trying hard to get him in this game. If he transferred after the first month last year, he got sit out a full calendar year. Just saying, if he's out there, that'd be a nice surprise. Because for what Rams have done receiver-wise, that'd be a good addition to Warren Jackson, right? Sitting back there. Yeah, I think so. So overall, this game, we're kind of I think we're taking a bit too long in all these games because we're gonna have a lot to go through, like on game four. Um, so what do you? What's your like? If Colorado's going to, um, or excuse me, Colorado State is going to get to win, what's like the one thing you want to see them for how they'll win? Stop the run, get pressure on the quarterback. Okay, I want to see because oh, sorry, because, because they're replacing a lot of their rushing production. The Buffaloes are from last year. They had a thousand yard rusher in Trayvon McMillan. He's gone, and you know their leading returning rusher from last year is Montez, uh, and then their second leading rusher is Lavisca Schnault. So yeah, <laughs> you know, there you go. Like, we know who's probably going to be at the head of that running attack. It's Alex Fontenot, who's listed at the top of the depth chart. But he's, you know, he's a sophomore. And then they have Jared Mangum, who's a freshman behind him. So there's a lot of young guys lining up behind a fairly experienced offensive line. But I think it's got to start up front with the front four that Colorado State is putting together. You know, they do have Devin Phillips coming back. They've got Ellison Hubbard in the interior. But maybe someone like Jalen Bates is the key, you know, kind of the, the guy who can rush the edge and, you know, kind of set the edge against a, what might be an inconsistent running game that keeps the Rams in this game, yeah. you know, installs them out, forces Colorado into more obvious passing situations, and then lets them pin their ears back and put pressure on Montez. I agree. definitely agree with that defense. I also think Colin Hill needs to have a big game. If he's the guy, like everybody's saying he's amazing, he's great, he worked out with the paint man in the summer, we saw the funny tweet or whatever somebody sent out about, hey, mm-hmm. quarterback controversy, Maiden Panning is in town as a new transfer quarterback. But from him taking over last year, his knee should be perfectly fine. I think he needs to have a big game, and I think there's potential for there. But I'm still going to go Colorado to win this game. I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, also, really quick to note, this is the last rock scheduled Rocky Mountain Showdown at whatever they're calling Mile High Stadium now in Denver, home of the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Which I'm surprised. Like I've seen the attendance for this game. Are you surprised? Like it's seventy thousand plus. No, I am for this game because if we're being honest, neither team is really upper echelon in college football. There, there's bragging rights on the on the line. 
I know. But I'm just in saying. state supremacy, you don't know. You got to understand. I mean, you should understand yeah, yeah, I, that I, as I, a Utah native. I get. Excuse me, Texas native, Texas living native. in Utah. So I'm You're living in Utah. So yeah. I'm familiar with Utah BYU because this week is crazy, and also Texas, Texas A&M, which you can't see me shaking my fist at whoever to get that game back on. Mm-hmm. But no, no, I get that. But it's a neutral site game. Like, yeah, I'm just surprised. Like seventy thousand plus for those teams typically aren't like top twenty five teams every year. That's kind of my is, point. The hate is real. I'm just saying. Apparently it is. And so they're taking a break from Planet, whatever, that Bronco Stadium, whatever they're calling it. They'll do some home and homes down the road. But I like the game there. And I'm, I'm glad it's a big stadium because you know how we crap on stadiums where, oh, you're playing at Ford Field, Mac title game. There's 10 people there. You're playing a Pac-12 title game in Santa Clara when eight, eight folks show up. It's like, no, I like to see it. I'm just kind of a little bit surprised. But my prediction for the game is I think the Rams might get the win. I think that. Even though the bullets have been on there, I just think there's a chance with um, what they have. But I'm picking Colorado to win, Colorado State to cover. I'm gonna go like thirty to eight, like thirty to twenty-one. I'll go that. That's my score. Thirty twenty-one. Yeah, um, and I should mention FBI has Colorado winning this game eleven point uh, one spread. There it goes. The the hype is gone. <laughs> so, I mean, I I would probably take the Rams and the points as well, though, especially if I can get thirteen and a half. Uh, I think it's going to be a real close cover, though. I have the Buffaloes winning 34-21. to 34-21. We're pretty close. All right, so now we go to Saturday. This is game day. So the first game of the day, also, to be note, noted, just if you're wondering, folks, all these are late afternoon games. So your morning is free to watch. I don't even know. I've even looked. I should know this. I, should, I haven't even looked at what's going on Saturday morning college football. I'm just um, I'm there for the ride, and I'll tune in the afternoon. So we have... Sam Houston State at New Mexico. Oh, boy. This is going to be interesting. Um, Sam Houston State is, what, number 10 in the AFCA poll, which is the FCS poll? I believe so. I, believe I don't have that in front of no, me. No, I looked at it. I'm trying to think of exactly what it's called. So, also what's intriguing, the former offensive coordinator for New Mexico came from Sam Houston State. Mm-hmm. And they might play four quarterbacks, Matt. They might. I got I got a little ribbing from uh, Rick. What's it uh, from Rick? From he used to do stuff for ABQ Journal. It's like that's not what it says. I'm like he's gonna play four quarterbacks. Trust me. That's what, that's what I gleaned from reading that article. He's gonna start four. He's gonna play four quarterbacks. See, then the, then the question becomes: Should they play four quarterbacks? No, because Bob Davy said Taveka should be the starter. Is like his guy. He's like, oh, he's probably our best quarterback. But I'm gonna play all four anyways, just because. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Right? Yeah, it's a little strange. It's almost the quinterback. Do we? Need- you don't. You don't want to willingly step into that situation. No, I, I dug up an old tweet writing the quick article back when they beat New Mexico State in 2014. They played five quarterbacks and had to win. Mm-hmm. So we also made T-shirts that too. So I never. I don't have one. Did you ever get one of those shirts? Yeah, I still got one. But quarterbacks know which one. That's five quarterbacks playing or five people making a pass. Um, here's the thing. I, I here's I can get a reason why you should do it and definitely why you should not do it. The reason to do it is because it's actual meaningful live football and there's consequences in this game. So you want to see you get a quarter. Each guy knows you get probably three series max in this game because you're playing a quarter. If that's the case, mm-hmm. show me what you got. Which I understand you get it because 
San Diego State, they should beat them. They are favored. It's actually went down in favor of the Bearcats by one. So it was a 10-point line. Now it's a 9-point line in favor of New Mexico. They're at home. Nobody's going to show up because they don't sell season tickets. Maybe they should show up because this might be their only win. But the good point, the smart point, oh, I'll go through and pick my quarterback. Bad point, you've been through fall camp. You don't know who your freaking quarterback is, right? I know they've had to get going out to California back and forth to deal with his grandfather who passed away recently. Not making light of that at all. It does make his decision a bit tougher when you have a guy in and out of camp, but you can't narrow it down to two, at least. It's like what Bob Davies coached a long time in New Mexico. He's coached at Notre Dame. He's been around football forever. Has, what is he doing? Does he not care anymore? Is he not involved in the offense? Like Joe Bailey from Liberty coming in, does he not have a say who's going to start? Do they really need to see four quarterbacks in live football to make a choice? If you don't have a decision now, what are you doing? Yes, I mean, they say that when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. So what does it mean when you have four quarterbacks? I should have thought of a funny saying for that, but I don't know. Super none? You are just, you're screwed? <laughs> well, and here's the here's the other thing. Sam Houston State is not chopped liver. Yeah, they're they're, they are not a North Northern Colorado. They're not a Southern Utah, which we'll, we'll get to in a few minutes. Uh, they are pretty good, and they have made some noise against FBS teams in the past, including defeating Mexico back in 2011. <laughs> here, so here, here's a fun fact: they, um, since 2011, they've averaged over 28 points a game against FBS competition. With the questions that New Mexico has on defense, they're bringing a lot of new guys up front, especially in the secondary. Uh, and Sam Houston State does have a guy who caught a thousand yards worth of passes last year in Nathan Stewart and averaged 18 yards a catch. So, you know, if they get behind, heaven forbid, um, is starting more than one quarterback going to be a really good idea to try and dig themselves out of any potential hole they find themselves in? Yeah, especially with the switch. If some guy's going well, it's like, oh, sorry, you're out there, dude. Actually, I found another FCS poll. They are a top 20 team. There's a couple floating around. I'm not sure the official one. Oh, this is just herosports.com. They, mm-hmm. do, they do a bunch of FCS stuff, too. But they're a really good team. So you say they average – same Houston State average 20, 28 points versus FBS opponents. And that's over six games. Six games. So half a season, essentially, if we're mm-hmm. typical. So if you look at um, New Mexico scoring defense, <laughs> they gave up 36 points last year against all opponents. So there's a lot of pressure on that secondary. <laughs> there is, is um there's a lot of pressure everywhere. There's pressure on Bob Davy. I mean, I think it helps <laughs> that there is more experience up front, but it's still kind of an open question as to how consistent their pass rush is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Bearcats did have a quarterback who was kind of learning on the job last year. It was we probably should mention that last year I think was the first year since 2010. If I'm not mistaken, the Sam Houston State did not make the FCS playoffs. But, you know, they have their starter back in in Ty Brock. He had 15 touchdowns against 12 interceptions. So maybe there's opportunity there if they get off to a slow start for these new contributors in the Lobo secondary to kind of make an impact on this game. But that's kind of a big if because every single guy back there is basically a new starter. All right, so Lobo's here. It's time to make picks, Matt. we got to crush this. We're going a bit too slow. What percentage – I'm going to ask you this, though, because what percentage do you give the uh, Bearcats with a K, I might add? 
for the victory? 20%? 20%. This is absolutely a game that New Mexico could mess around and lose. Yeah. 100,000% agree with that. Did we mention, is this game on, sorry, we didn't mention the TV broadcast. Is this on the Mountainous Network? Uh, yes, it is. Okay, good, because I had my page up here, but I must have closed it. So, Okay, so get the streaming app and watch this game. I am intrigued by this game. I may watch just the highlights, but it just the four quarterbacks scares the crap out of me. And also remember, Lobo's running game hasn't really been great this past couple, excuse me, the past year or two. And Joe Bailey, they want to pass into a spread attack. And so not only is it playing four quarterbacks, one who hasn't been at Paul Camp enough, they're going to a new offense that wants to throw the ball. And we know they've been hurting and hoarding Juca receivers the past two or three years to little to no success. This game has the makings of being that upset week one by an FCS team. However, I'm taking the Lobos to win. Same. Oh, man, that nine points are taking them to cover? <laughs> I would take them to cover. Okay. I think it's going to be something like 35 to 28. Or no, excuse me, that's, that wouldn't cover. Uh, <laughs> nine. Let's say 35 to 24. I'm going to say 28-14. All right. Because... Yeah, and I because I'm not. There's no way I'm ever going to predict a loss for an FCS game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. So, all right. So let's go to the game I skipped because um, never using ESPN again. But we have Air Force taking on Colgate. Mm-hmm. This should be a, a easy victory for the Falcons. However, they did lose their top two receivers, and I guess it's official. Cole Fagan is not going to be on the team this year. That is as, correct, as far as I can tell. And the big question was there a um, depth chart sent out for the Falcons? There was. <laughs> Finally. It took them a little while, but they did get around to it. And they, uh, the only real noteworthy things that I could tell, um, I'm assuming they're going to just end up using this game against the Raiders as an extended proving ground for both Donald Hammond and Isaiah Sanders. Uh, oh, 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 Davey, this is how you do it. You have two guys ready to go. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, no, that's that's perfectly fine because you know, I'm a Hammond guy. Other people like Sanders. And also, um, Taven Berto will be pretty good at running back, or I guess technically fullback. Um, so I drafted our fantasy team I just, for the uh, Mountain West League. I chose Caden uh, Rimsburg and Taven Berto and just roll the dice and see what happens. Should be a good you might as You might as well. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I'm like, well, there's shit. Especially, in this, especially against this defense. Oh, which... yeah, FCS. Well, here's the thing, because Colgate actually had a really good defense last year, and that was what they really rode all the way to the FCS playoffs. They were Patriot League champions last year. They were. But they did get rolled a little bit in their first game against Villanova. Who's pretty good. Villanova's pretty good themselves. Uh, So in the opener, they gave up six yards per carry. Does Villanova run the triple option at all? (laughs) You know what? I didn't see enough of that game to really tell one way or the other. But Fair I think enough. that that bodes well for Falcons, even despite the fact that Colgate did have seven tackles for loss in that game. And and maybe someone like Nick Wheeler at defensive end is going to be a person worth watching. Mm-hmm. But, again, I think that they are still somewhat limited on offense. Like, they were good but not great against Villanova. Um, so I... I think that if Air Force can get off on the right foot, even despite the the pieces that they're moving, they're missing on offense uh, with Birdo, with Remsburg, with everybody else in that defensive backfield, 
this is a game that they should win pretty comfortably. So they're 19 and a half point favorites. Yes. Over under is only 43 and a half. <laughs> yeah. And we should mention this game is out on one uh, thirty mountain time, 1230 Pacific on ESPN three, three. So that's basically free. If you have, right. Isn't ESPN three, the free one. Yes. Okay. Cause I was watching ESPN, ESPN plus. So, so yeah, check out that game because I, the main interest I want to see is the quarterback play. And I guess the running game as well with Colfagan no longer there, which there should be no surprise. It'll be great. It just may, may not be as great. So that's a pretty big spread. Would you take them to cover that? I absolutely would. Okay. What do you got? Uh, I got Air Force 42, Colgate 17. 42, 17. I'm going to go 40 to 20. So then you're taking them to cover too? Barely. Yeah. It's a tough one. Hey, it's... you don't want to cover as a cover. Hey, I am going. At the end of the show, when you have a quick discussion with everybody, I'm disappointed nobody... Co- followed my tweet or responded i'm going to be in las vegas this weekend i need want some tips or help or hey make this pick and see what happens so at jeremy moss yeah, on twitter yeah m-a-u-s-s i could i might i might i don't know if i'll be there friday for the games depending when i get there but if there's an fcs game on the line should i just take a full if i can do it a full 11 team parlay yeah why not you only live once what does that pay out what if, if i do 10 bucks that should be still pretty good right it should pay out a lot let's see i think of I think that's on. the technical term. Yeah, let's see real quick. If I do, oh, okay, fifteen hundred to one. Ooh, okay. So if I do, hold on real quick. If I do ten bucks, that's fifteen grand, right? That's not bad. Ooh, that would. Okay, I'll look into it. Did you see somebody? I follow Bleach Reports betting app or whatever on Twitter or whatever. I forget what it's called. Whatever their app or who cares social media thing. Somebody put like the most ridiculous bet to win like a nickel <laughs> against like the largest odds like it's basically like those games where it's like a minus 30 for the home team it's like let's mm. bet on all these teams and so so i, I i'll post my pick of what i do and if, okay let's move on to the next game because we're already pushing almost an hour and we've gone through half the games maybe so is it time for florida state boise state the big one in jacksonville espn seven local five mountain four pacific door tropical storm dorian should not be an issue there's probably some rain However, we are doing this Wednesday afternoon. Hurricanes tend to divert, unless they just nuke it. I don't know. Is that going to happen this weekend? No, but, that's not going to happen. No, because that's like the worst idea in the world. But there's going to be some rain. And I don't. it looked yesterday, Tuesday, there could be an issue. But it looks like it'd just be maybe some thunderstorms, which is like a normal day in central Florida, right? Or yeah, so we're, we're, we're recording Wednesday afternoon on mm-hmm. the 28th. And the forecast for Saturday, according to weather.gov, which is my go-to source, not weather, Saturday, not weather channel. <laughs> showers and possibly a thunderstorm, high near 87. Chance of precipitation is 80%. During the kick time at 7 p.m.? It just says Saturday and Saturday night, so I'm assuming it's you know, because it's an afternoon game. Well, no, it's 7 o'clock there. It's 7 o'clock there. Well, same thing. Whatever, yeah. In <laughs> evening, so. So this game, because we don't want back-to-back cancellations. That would be unfortunate. So this this five and a half, five point. They have, they mentioned, or we already discussed, Hank Bachmeyer is a starting quarterback. True freshman, making a road, air quote, road start, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Since they're playing in Jacksonville. You got Blackman for Florida State. I want to just say Boise State's going to win, because I'll say right now that's my pick. But I'm not super confident, just because, is it me just looking at the name Florida State and saying, oh, it's Florida State, they'll be fine? Is that jading my prediction, maybe? 
or not being confident. Touch. I mean, we talked about this in the in the Boise State preview, and I think we touched upon it a little bit in the mega preview. But regardless of whatever the elements end up looking like, let's not forget that Florida State's problem last year was not the defense. No, they could not move the ball very well. And they have pretty much all of their contributors coming back, except for you know Brian Burns, who was their big impact player. And especially if it becomes like a driving rainstorm, like you know, if they're playing in a monsoon or something like <laughs> that, um, that's going to be a really huge test, not only for Bachmeyer, but for me. And I mentioned this; I know I mentioned this in one podcast or another. For Robert Mahone as the lead running back in the committee. Yeah, because it's. Yeah, you make that key point committee because mm. they got because I and Raj he did um we did our round not round I guess sort of round table of six burning questions he put an eye out to mention um what's his name the um George Halani who probably won't play very much but it's going to be Van Buren Mahoney those guys and George might get a couple carries but if it's wet like that it's going to be helpful to be able to run the ball you know what I mean like, yeah yeah weird stuff happens when the ball's wet because the ball's wet slips out of your hands um. This, it, this, what I want to see in offense, we'll kind of stick with that. The, here's who they have like that can make plays. They have John Hightower, who we've seen what he can do. Is, is he going to be brought up like last year, or are they going to make him like a true wide receiver, not do those underneath passes or the jet sweeps or put him in the backfield or anything? Are they going to stick do that or make him be the true X starting receiver? Mm-hmm. They have an aura at C.T. Thomas and Khalil Shakir. I think Shakir is going to take over what Hightower did last year a little bit. And then Octavius Evans is a backup. Like, they go deeper receiver. Like, all four of those guys will be great, I think. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. even a Killian Butler, they, who they're experienced. And then, uh, obviously, the offensive line, Ezra Cleveland's pretty good. Mulkin's amazing. They're going If they're going to run the ball like you want to do, Matt, their offensive line is going to be the strength, I think, to just push around Florida State or attempt to. Efficiency matters. Very much. What were they? What efficiency to, rating? Which one? And to me, the I mean, just by success rate. You know, the ability mm-hmm. to move the chains was really Boise's strength last year. And so to me, I think the most critical thing, especially if it becomes, you know, like a rainstorm or something like that, you look at the interior three of Eric Cavedo, Garrett Larson, and John Mulchin. They have a lot of experience up front. And Florida State is starting a, a pair of sophomores on their own interior in Corey Durden and Robert Cooper. But those guys last year you know, performed pretty well in limited playing time. Like Durden saw you know, six tackles for loss and two sacks, and he wasn't even like a primary guy on that unit. You know, between the two of them versus you know, the three guys on Boise's interior of the offensive line, I think if those two guys are disruptive, it's going to make a lot of things difficult for the Boise State offense. But I think if they can assert themselves early, and Mahoney or Van Buren or whoever ends up running the football more often than not can <laughs> can move the chains and not even create explosive plays, but to just be able to get, you know, four and a half yards per carry. I think that's got to be the benchmark because in a game that seems destined to be a fist fight one way or the other, mm-hmm. just that ability to run the ball between the tackles is something that they definitely had, especially down the stretch last year with Alexander Madison. But to me, with this particular game, that's the biggest question that they're going to have to answer. Yeah, because we saw what he did against Fresno and other teams, Utah State, just taking over that fourth quarter with seemingly 20 carries in the last frame. Um, I want to see, like, that's a big deal, but also we can't, like, 
not like well if we switch to defense i guess because I, I agree with all that it's boring we disagree on everything because we know what we're talking about i think defense it's like david moa giants dude he, he's just huge he's just he's not the nine foot four purdue quarterback but he's a he's a huge guy like he's been like what do we make of him because he like didn't play a ton recently he's been in is he just a guy that takes up space to make everybody else look better on this defense is he one of those guys well i mean he was one of the more disruptive defenders in the conference in 2016 that's what i'm saying not recently though that's my point well, I mean, a lot of that has to do with health. Yeah, yeah that's why. I, I, well, it's. I know. I'm just in factoring, factoring in everything. He has the potential, but if he can get back, but that's also four seasons, three seasons ago, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, he is a guy. Like, if he can be close, like I know he had ten and a half TFLs. That's what he had as that sophomore season. What did he have last year? Did he. I don't think he recorded too many. But if he can get close to that, like what he did in that year, like I think that hype of the defense is. They have other guys like we know Curtis Weaver is amazing, but if Moa can come close to that, this is going to be a, like an amazing defense. So if he's finally healthy and it seems like he is because he's in the starting line <coughs> on the play, they're gonna. I don't see why his defense can't be that disruptive and just slow down Blackman and what Florida State wants to do. Yeah, I mean, especially since yeah, as we talked about it briefly in the Boise State preview podcast, uh, the Seminoles' offensive line really has nowhere to go from up. Yeah, <laughs> or nowhere to go but up rather. Uh, and so, to, you know, the key really is that defensive front saying, okay, but not this week. And whether they want to move Weaver around uh, or, you know, stick him up against Juwan Williams at the left tackle position, you know, they've got a lot of new pieces on that seminal offensive line that are going to be under pressure right away, again, against an experienced Boise State front. So to me, it's not necessarily just about Moa. You know, it's pretty much every single guy that's on the two deep has a chance to be a real contributor, you know, especially on the interior where you know, they have a freshman starting at right guard. They have a redshirt sophomore starting at left guard mm-hmm. and, and Bavon Johnson, who really only saw a handful of starts last year is in there at center. Um, there's opportunities there. And Boise State's just going to have to take advantage of them in order to keep this game close or if they're able to get a lead. You know, maybe that's the kind of thing where even if their fumble luck doesn't hold quite like it did last year, the the ability to create those opportunities is one thing that could definitely swing this game in their favor. It will, and also we should note, Kendall Bryles is the new OC for Florida State. Yeah. So, yeah, that Kendall Bryles, so whatever. But, so there's a new wrinkle of the offense that they didn't have last year, but the line is, like I said, brutal. Can't can't be much worse than last year. It's probably the worst in Power 5, if not bottom third in the whole country. Mm-hmm. And so what he did at FAU, and if you go back to the good Baylor days, when they're good football days, I should say, he was part of the offense, has potential. But year one, I, I just don't see it really happening. Like I'm looking over at some predictions, like season long for people at Florida State. They're like the highest I saw is nine wins, and I don't think they're that confident. But like anywhere from six to eight wins is where they're predicting. Which, if you have put Boise State against any team in a Power Five conference that's going to win between six and eight games. I'll give Boise a very good chance to win that game almost every time. You might have said the same thing last year, but let's not forget, they got blown out in Stillwater against Oklahoma State last year. Yes, but also I do remember a pair of snafu on special teams that were brutal and caused mostly the loss. And that might be something worth keeping in mind with this game, too, because they do have a new kicker, Mm -hmm. Eric Saxe, who's a walk-on who earned a scholarship, I believe, last week. 
and I forget the exact story. I remember he had kind of a circuitous path to to get to where he is now, being the starter at Boise. But you know, he's probably going to be under more scrutiny than just about anybody on the team the first time they line up for an extra point or a field goal. Well, it's not just him. It's it was the snap long snap yeah, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't just missing kicks, but it was long snap, blowing coverage, dropping balls that were punted to you letting the defensive line blow through your your offensive line on kick coverage. Mm-hmm. So it's it is a new kicker, that's a big deal this game, but it, I wouldn't pin it on just the kicker. You got I'd say the entirety special teams unit that's supposed to protect the kicker needs to be better because you can't yeah. have a safety over the end zone. You can't have a guy try to kick it out but falls on like a touchdown comes a cheap six, seven points because of that. And you would think it was a fluke what happened too many times last year to make it be a concern and not just, oh, it's a one-off thing because the ball slipped or something. So who you got in this game? I'm going with my – I already gave my prediction to Raj, Raj, and then I did ever at CFN. So 24-20 Boise State. I do want to mention FEI's projection again. They have the Broncos winning this game too. They have a margin of 6.1 points. Uh, I have 24-22. Uh, 20 as well, I should say. Uh, but I have it in favor of Florida State. So 24-20 for the Seminoles. Yeah, so take the points. But I have the Seminoles winning this All one. All right, there it is. This game, so is this game going to be like, what other games is this going up against? Have you looked that far ahead to the schedule? Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I yeah. have not. Okay, well, no worries. Who cares? But All I right. do know that our next big game of the weekend. Oh, boy. Missouri at Wyoming on CBS Sports Network kicks off a half hour later. Interesting time, five thirty Mountain Time. <laughs> I guess that's to get that late game in there. So this game, um, Missouri is going to be good, but you won't see them in the AP rankings because they're not eligible for bowl game this year. One of the polls is that, that how came... it works. I mean, no, no, no coaches are not eligible. I just didn't know if no. that applied to the polls. Coaches pull they can't because that's. I, that's how it used to be. Yeah, a coachable, but they can be AP champions because AP. I don't think they have to abide by even the playoff. I don't know, whatever. But they could, they're they're gonna be a good team, but you probably won't see a number an extra name all year. So here, here's the thing about Missouri. Uh, by SP plus, I'm glad I got that right. Um, <laughs> they are rated as the eighth best team in the SEC. Eighth, really? Ooh. But. Tenth overall, overall the country. <laughs> overall, they are thirteen. Yeah, something which just tells you something about the SEC and how disgustingly talented it is there. Yeah, and they have was it Brian Ke- Kelly from Clemson who transferred? Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant. There you go. I got I got two names right. Just the wrong order. <laughs> so it's eighteen and a half points. That seems like a ton, right? It's really not. It's not. It's not. Ooh. So. Here's how I want to see this game because Sean, uh, um, yeah, the quarterback, Sean Chambers, who apparently a lot of people like, but I'm not a fan of at the moment because all he did was run last year. I want to see something from him of what he can do actually throwing the ball because him just running against Mountain West teams, cool, whatever. He did okay. Led him to those victory. End of year was great, honestly, not kidding. Get to that 6-6 six and six record to win those final four games. But who's they don't have Nico Evans anymore, new running back. They're already missing a couple guys to injury for the year, and if they're if Missouri is the 13th best team, I, I'm I might take Purdue to or not Purdue sorry Missouri to like win and cover, obviously win but cover those points and almost win by three touchdowns. 
I mean, I think the name of the game in this particular matchup is ball control, which was really one of those things in, in their big non-conference games last year that got away from Wyoming. They just they they could run the ball with Nico Evans just fine, but they didn't really have anything to complement him. And that was when things went sideways really quickly against Washington State and the same Missouri team. So that's where I kind of start thinking about what kind of impact can Chambers have. It's just the ability to move the chains. Because with all of the skill position talent that the Tigers have, and it's not just one guy, you know, obviously Bryant is the newcomer. And it'll be an open question as to how well he's going to replace Drew Locke at quarterback. But they have Larry Roundtree in the backfield, and he ran for what, like 1,400 yards last year? 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. They have arguably the nation's best tight end in Albert Okwegbunam. They are, you know, they're missing a couple of their leading receivers from last year other than that. But, you know, Emmanuel Hall's gone, but they have Jonathan Johnson back. They have Jonathan Nance transferring in. From Arkansas so they've got weapons around him and it's going to be a really tall task for a reloading defense and so I think that if Chambers can get back to what he was doing in, in especially in early games like he, when he played last year uh, just be the ability to keep this Missouri offense off the field is going to be huge it isn't like we know why his defense has good players right like Logan Wilson pretty good player really Mm -hmm. good player and so but he doesn't play secondary he's linebacker and see i I, you know what i look at i look at the game that the cowboys played against utah state in particular last year Mm -hmm. as being really instructive for how they're going to want to play this game if they want to have a chance and that was when chambers came in and replaced vanderwall as the quarterback he only threw the ball five times but he averaged 20 yards per completion Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that's going to happen again but you know that threat of a passing game was something that they just didn't have to that point. But more importantly, Chambers and Evans combined for almost 250 yards on the ground. And Chambers had a 47% success rate. He had a 58% opportunity rate. So he was getting to the second level more often than not. And, you know, obviously Evans is gone, which means that there's going to be a lot of pressure on Xavier Valaday and, and Trey Smith, assuming that he's a hundred percent healthy to go i think there was some question about that uh whether he was good to go from a concussion i think he's cleared i believe that's the case but there's going to be a lot of pressure on that run game to to just keep the chains moving and keep this missouri tigers offense off the field and it's going to be a lot easier said than done yeah i i just well i made so many questions for me to predict them to be even hanging around with this missouri team Mm -hmm. and so when you look at like i mentioned 18 point line What's the over-under? Probably like 45? Let's see here. The over-under on this game is 55. Oh, 55. 55. Um, I think it'll be like 30 to 10 for obviously Missouri. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I think Wami might get a point here and there, but I just don't – yeah, I think it's like 30 to 10. That's where I'm going. I think, you know, that that plan that I've been talking about is, is – uh... It's something they might be able to keep up for maybe a quarter or two, but I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to do it for four quarters. Uh, so I would take Missouri, and I would lay the points as well. I've got it uh, like 
Little, okay, thirty-eight. It's about the same difference. Just more points. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a that's a tough one. If I'm doing my parlay for the whole for the whole conference, that might be a tough one to pick a little bit. Yeah, just saying. All right, next game we have two more. Yes, three more. Oh, sorry, Jesus. Non-conference games. We have to speed up, Matt. Weber State at San Diego State, seven p.m. local time. Or sorry, six p.m. local time. It's a Facebook game, so that means you can watch it watch it on our website. And that's true. Also, did you know Weber State's a pretty good um, FCS team? I did know that. Did you know the line, which you probably you better know because we do this stuff, their line is closer than the New Mexico San Jose or um, San Houston State line. Surprising. Seven and a half, right? I said the same thing on Twitter. People are like, they're good. I'm like, I know they're good. They made the FCS playoffs. They went far in the FCS playoffs. They are a quality football team. I did not realize that former Boise State prospect Jake Constantine was the quarterback. That's correct, yes. They, like, Aztecs should win. Like, it should be honest, but remember, Aztecs have lost to an FCS team in the past, what, five years, I believe, at least once? Well, and I think maybe more instructively, you know, they they only beat Sacramento State by a touchdown last yeah, year. Yeah, as well. Or by two touchdowns. They had to close. really pull away late, yeah. Yeah, the good old um, Chris Chapman comeback, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so, but seriously, like Weber State, they have like a really, 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 really good running back on their team who, so like they are a team where they want to score points, which this is going to be a good test for San Diego State because it is really, a, even though it's FCS team, they can score points, they'll move the ball a little bit, but we you know like Tazina on the defense, everybody else, Rick Thompson asked San Diego State has, this really shouldn't be questioned like, oh, we're going to spend 12 minutes on this game, but this is a team where if they mess around, they could like same thing. Like they could lose this game if Ryan Agnew plays bad at quarterback. If they don't have a receiver who catches the ball. If the defense has a weird lapse because whatever they miscommunication on some play because they're rotating guys in or out. Mm-hmm. Like Jay Hill's a pretty good coach there up in <clears> state. <throat> He's been around like I think Utah and BYU for a couple years. They have like the guy Josh Davis. He's a good running back on this team, and I think there's gonna this they're gonna win, but. Don't just think it's going to be walking to park. You're going to win like 40 to 10 and say, oh, Aztec's offense is back. Juwan Washington is amazing, which he is. But this is going to be tougher than last year who they played. And if they don't come prepared, stuff could happen. I'm just saying. See, I think what it's ultimately going to come down to is, is it going to be the Juwan Washington show? Which, so. it kinda, which it kind of was in that, in that Sacramento State win that they had last year. Or are they actually going to get more contributions and you know i should maybe note too that ethan dodo did have six catches for 90 yards in that win against the hornets last year uh, and he's obviously their leading returning receiver but if you look at the depth chart they've got a lot of young guys that ryan agnew is going to be throwing to or, or handing off to beyond just juan washington and and dodo you know they have a redshirt freshman and jesse matthews lined up to start in the slot they have a sophomore in Elijah Koth out, out in the X position taking over for Tred Trevelyan. Uh, and they have a sophomore who overtook Parker Houston at the tight end position in Daniel Bellinger. So I think, you know, obviously they're going to lean on Washington. But I don't know if this is the kind of situation where you necessarily want to give him 25, 30 carries like you had to to escape last year's game that he ran the ball 36 times against sacramento state last year i don't think they want to have that happen again but it's anybody's guess as to who that running back two is going to be 
because, like we talked about with New Mexico, they've got four running backs lined up with an or behind Washington. So, Isn't Chase Jasmine one of those guys? Yes, he is. You'd think he'd be the number two running back. Or Chance Bell. Yeah. Or Kagan Williams yeah. or Jordan Bird. Yeah, okay. One of those guys is going to have to play a factor. So just because like, again, because again, this is a Weber State team that can absolutely beat them if they're not careful. So yeah, so you know that running back Josh Davis, mm-hmm. he won the um, he was a freshman last year. Okay, cool. Won the uh, Jerry Rice Award as a fr- true freshman. Well, there you go. Which is really good. They're a top ten team, and yeah, freshman of the year, blah blah blah, first team all sky. All-purpose player, FCS per game, averaged 170 yards per game last year. Anytime when he touched the ball, so they need to follow him and see what they can do. And so, this again, this is a game where it could be like last year. Like if we're like, I think like I would still have to put New Mexico as more upset probability, but like I could see a 10% chance Weber State wins this game. No, I mean that checks out. I'm just saying, like, based on last year, based on new offense, what they're doing. Like, I went over to Hero Sports, like who I mentioned before. They do some – they're predicting, like, some upsets. They actually predict uh, New Mexico to lose. They predict 42-38 Sam Houston State to win. Mm. They do not – I don't think they have San Diego State on here, which I thought they might because Weber State's a top-10 preseason team. But I'm just saying, like, come to play, Aztecs, like – don't have guys this will be like I know on Twitter we have guys who are like oh you guys always say the Aztec or at least me for whatever reason you predict what is this I'm like don't come after me if San Diego State wins like 20 to 10 you know what I mean mm-hmm. this is a game where they should cover and win but there's going to be issues in this game where you're going to be like how did this running back Davis bust off a 65 yard run against this defense that we think is the best in the conference which by the way it's not it's going to be good but not the best so I pick San Diego State to win um, I'm, I'm gonna go like 31-17. So it should be they should have a fairly comfortable win, but it's something just again something to watch out for. I'm not just saying that to say it. It's there's a concern Weber State could have a good first half but then fade away and have them on their toes. Yeah, I mean I think it's more likely that offensive inconsistency is going to be the reason this game is a lot closer than it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know I would. Still probably take the Aztecs minus seven and a half. I'm going to say 24-13. Ooh, closer than me. Yeah. See that, folks? You hear that score? That was Matt Kennerly giving the score. <laughs> that was me. I said 34-17 in favor of the fighting Rocky Longs. All right, so we have – what's our next game here, Matt? Where are we going? Uh, that would be Southern Utah at UNLV. Oh, boy. Uh, 7 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Mountain Time on the Mountain West Network. Get that phone out, folks. Get the Chromecast out. Get your Apple TV ready to go to stream that game that we have to pay attention to, I guess, right? I don't think – I don't. Th- I, I really hope that the Rebels aren't going to be on upset alert. They are favored by 24 points. Howard alert. Howard alert. <laughs> Reminder. But I'll, I'll just say this. It seems like Southern Utah is a lot closer to Northern Colorado than they are to Weber State. I would agree. So I think what it comes down to is just, you know, showing that, you know, whatever wrinkles you're going to be throwing into the strengths that they've had in the last couple of years, whether it's, you know, running the football or, you know, creating turnovers in the front seven and things like that. Just that, you know, this is like we talked about with the San Jose State game, that they can just take advantage of a team that they should have a definite talent advantage over. 
Did you see really quick? Not just sidetrack. Did you see what the over under is on this game? I did. Seventy and a half points. I think they're expecting big things from UNLV. That's why. So they're going to win like fifty to twenty. Southern Utah was not a great team last year. I know, I, mean, just... I, know, I know that they were they were a, a playoff team two years ago, but they really fell off hard. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that like they'll come up and score points. I mean that they'll play well. I'm just surprised overall. Like if you're betting, you're banking that much on UNLV. That's all. It just seems like a lot. Over under, that's huge. Whereas we didn't mention this. This is so on on track for San Diego State. Over under versus Weber State, thirty six and a half. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that is the lowest of the weekend i want to say from what i'm looking at here real quick I'm far and just, away yeah oh my gosh oh avert your eyes unless you like defense which hey daniel and fresno watch that game since you like defense so much and i don't that, oh that's hilarious he likes that on twitter um back to this game what we need to see because remember cotton is no longer coaching the offense he has to get the uh fortunately the health issues with the heart transplant he needs so they have a new guy calling the plays. Mm-hmm. Armani Rogers going to be healthy to play? Yes. Yeah, he's running, good to go. Running back should be good. They get Tyler Collins. Like their offense does have potential. Let's just make sure. Rod, I just want to see a good, clean game on both sides of the ball. Like they should clearly beat Southern Utah by quite a bit. They, they, yes. they, they one year they were good. They had like two guys draft in the NFL, which is like the first time ever that they had two guys taken in the same year draft year. So that's why they were good a couple years ago. They're, they usually have a decent team, but Rebels, like, this is also not a rivalry game, but it's, like, literally like a 90-minute drive between these two schools, if that, at the end of the state, the north of Rebel Land there, UNLV. But mm-hmm. 24 points is a lot to cover. Do, do you think they'll cover that spread? I think they will. What's your score, then? What do you got? 52-17. Uh, to 17. 50, You think they'll put up 52 points? They'd better. <laughs> they better. Against a team like this, yeah. So I, you know how I said the we the um, Missouri Wyoming game might be my toughest to pick mm-hmm. if I'm going to actually put money on. This Southern Utah UNLV may trump that. Just just put the money on UNLV and thank me later. Just roll with it. Yeah. Okay. So I will take. Let's see if you, if it's 24 points. What'd you say again? 54 20. I said 52 17. Okay, not even close to what you said. Um, I will go 40 to 10. All right then. And, and not comfortable with it. <laughs> I'll trust you, Matt. Okay, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. If it's the one game I lose, oh boy, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. It's only a few bucks if I'm doing that. In a legal state where you can do that, which there's more and more each day. Um, anything else we need to add? Because we've talked far too long for a show, I think. Yeah, it's week one. Enjoy the ride. It's here. Consume everything. Mm-hmm. Every single game, right? All right, so... That's what for what we're doing to recap so people know. It'll probably be Wait, 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 we got one more. Oh wait, what am I missing? Oh no. We got the most important game. Oh my gosh, I forgot your game. I can't I thought we were done for some reason. No, we got Fresno State (sighs) at USC Saturday night, seven thirty Pacific, eight thirty mountain time on ESPN. I apologize, Matt, to you and everybody else who are Fresno State alum and fans. That's um unfortunately my mistake. Very big mistake. So this game. We need to talk about it because I'm not a fan of USC. Neither are you, probably. So I take it then that you don't understand why the line is increased from USC minus 9.5 to USC minus 13.5? I don't get that, really. That's a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Like that? Like I, I could see like even at nine, I'd be yeah, maybe, but two, almost two touchdowns. That's it's pretty seemed, high. That seems way too high. Because if we're looking at USC during fall camp, they, these air quotes, had a quarterback controversy or four team guy to race for JT Daniels' job, which I think we all knew was his job no matter what. Mm-hmm. But two touchdowns. I think Matt, you want just revenge from that Vegas bowl game, right? Well, that and the, the subsequent opener to the 2014 season. Oh, I, what happened there? I apologize to bring it up if it was bad. I don't recall. Uh, that was the first game of the post-Derek Carr era, and oh, it did not go well. Okay, I can imagine. If I just say post-Derek Carr, and I get it. Um, so what? Like, here's what we know about USC. Clay Helton, they went 5-7 and seven last year. They should have a decent quarterback. They'll have talent there. They just seemingly have weird years with Helton where they went to that Rose Bowl versus Penn State a couple years ago. Then last year where they didn't even make a bowl game. He could get fired midseason, and then it'll be head coach Urban Meyer down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So what's your biggest concern for Fresno in this game? Well, we know that the the Trojans are adopting the air raid with Graham Harrell as the new offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So for me, the biggest question that jumps out to me right away is with Wyland Free and Chris Coleman presumably stepping into the starting roles to replace Mike Bell and Tank Kelly. You know, last year at North Texas, Mason Fine threw the ball 36 times per game. And JT Daniels, under the previous regime, uh, under the previous offense, threw it 33 times per game. So for me, the first question is, one, how pass-heavy are the Trojans actually going to want to be because it's not like the, t- the the talent in the USC backfield is non-existent. They've still got pretty good running backs like they always do. Um, but two, how well are the Bulldogs going to respond? Because we know that USC is going to have a talent advantage. Mm-hmm. We know that they have at least three receivers who could be insanely good this year. And Tyler Vaughns, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Michael Pittman Jr., and that doesn't even include Bellis Jones, who's probably also in line for a ball archer role. Yeah. We know Pittman can create big plays. We know Amon Rob St. Brown was pretty reliable last year. He had a 72% catch rate. You know, with an offense that's going to want to spread them out and you know just try to out-athlete them maybe at some point, how is the secondary going to hold up when their depth is being tested, and especially the new pieces that are likely to be in that secondary, mm-hmm. how are they going to hold up when it just comes to you know things like avoiding chunk plays, which Pittman was really good at in particular last year, he was I think one of three receivers in the Pac-12 to have more than to have ten plays of over thirty yards through the air. So I think ultimately that's where a lot of this game is going to come down to is you know how is the secondary going to respond to an air raid offense like this because it's not like they haven't seen one before. True. They just haven't seen one with this level of talent at their disposal. Yeah. And that could be a big difference because we saw – it was kind of hard to know for sure when he was in North Texas mm-hmm. because Mason Fine in that bowl game versus Utah State, he went out early until it wasn't really a fair assessment of what that offense could be. But Mason Fine's a really good quarterback. Now you have an upgrade JT Daniel throwing the ball. And so, like he said, doing his offense, it could be hitches because it's a brand-new scheme, brand-new offense – Technically two OCs because Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury is there for like hot second for taking the mm-hmm. Cardinals job. So, But that was probably going to be a similar style of offense regardless of one of the two you had. 
Yeah. And like they lose also mentioned Fresno loses like Jeff Allison, he's not not about you know what I mean? Play defense player of the year is gone. All these guys are you can mention you went through everybody who's there and who's not. Defense, I think you're so confident they're gonna be pretty good. But I do I think it's gonna be for me, it's gonna be more of what USC can do than what Fresno can do. Like if if Fresno's gonna be successful, I think it might be more of USC maybe screwing up a little bit. Not to slight the Bulldogs defense, but I think that might be where we're at for and they'll be split. There'll be great plays each way. Offense makes a big play. Defense makes a stop. But I think the success for Fresno to maybe win would be USC having some mix-ups and not playing up to their ability being week one with this offense. I don't yeah. like. I don't want to be rude about it, but I'm just thinking, like, you mentioned talents, recruiting overall better. 90% of the talent-wise overall is probably better. Just not overall. Like, if you match up each guy on there, what I'm getting at, overall talent is better. Mm-hmm. Guys get better from Fresno. They still have a really good team, I think. We predict them to be do highly in the Mountain West. But they're not going to come in and just shut them down. Because also, remember, not that not to make this will be an equal comparison, but San Jose State last year, that first half was just <coughs> garbage. If you do anything close to that and don't play well, like you're going to get blown out of the water. Like mm-hmm. The defense needs to play to their best, and that'll be good enough to win. But I think they'll need to be need a little bit more somewhere where, oh, USC... Defense makes a good stop here. There's just something where, oh, they got to punt this time or something like that where USC needs to stub their toe. Not a lot, but just a little bit to help Fresno out here and there, I think. Yeah, and I went back and I looked at last year's games, and the one thing that really jumped out to me when USC was losing games in particular, one, they had problems with turnovers. You know, They had a minus 10 turnover margin, which was the worst of at least the last decade. So... And and that was in you know fumble luck and you know JT Daniels just being careless with the football, so you know there's, there there might be opportunities there for Fresno State to take advantage of that if USC is careless. But the other thing that really jumped out to me was in thinking about Fresno State's offense. USC's opponents last year had their most success when they were able to stay balanced, and you know that was when you know someone like Utah's Zach Moss had a big game. But also Tyler Huntley was able to keep them off balance with the passing game. You know, in the close loss they had against UCLA, same thing. Uh, in the, uh, the in the loss they had against Stanford, you know, you just kind of go down the line, and then a lot of those close calls that they had last year were were situations where the running backs had a big game, but the quarterbacks did just enough to kind of keep USC from keying on stopping the run. The only caveat I can see which we talked about a little bit on our mega preview is we know Ronnie rivers is going to be healthy, but the situation behind him at running back all of a sudden is a little bit dicey because Jordan Mims is gone for the year. Mm-hmm. Romella Harris is gone for a long time. So is Peyton Dixon. So I look at someone like Savion Johnson as being particularly key to whatever upset chances they have, because in a small sample size last year, he performed pretty well. He only had 21 carries, but he averaged over six yards a carry, had an opportunity rate of 50%, and he had a success rate of over 70%. And if he can even get like 80% of that, that's going to be huge for this team. Or maybe the fact that you know they have more to work with at tight end as well now, not just Jared Rice, but you know they had the pair of Juco yeah. guys they brought in, like uh, uh, yeah, Juan Rodriguez and Richard Powell's. If they throw a lot of 12 personnel out there with Rivers in the backfield with Reyna, 
that can keep them off balance because they won't necessarily know whether they're going to run or throw because I think this is the opportunity for the Bulldogs to be able to do both in those particular setups. Yeah, and do you, so with what they have going, like you're kind of, you seem kind of, because they also lose, don't forget, Keyson Johnson's gone too. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a, apparently he's doing good things with Cardinals. They like him quite a bit. So do they have like, and also we haven't mentioned Jorge Reina, new quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, new quarterback, running back depth takes a hit, new receiving group. Unless Ronnie Rivers can replicate the Arizona State game in Vegas Bowl every week, I think the offense is going to take a step back. Yeah, I mean, I think it it's to. a matter of how much. Yeah. You don't want to, and I trust, like, okay, we kind of joke about Tedford being the quarterback guy, but he he does a decent job of quarterbacks, at least at the college level, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we know he's more the running guy with what he did, like Marshawn Lynch and Rivers and other guys during over his years coaching at Cal and everywhere else, so... I hope for here's why I'm confident the offense won't take a step back. I'm just kind of mentioning so people are remind, reminded who's gone. Like he took over a god awful one and eleven team from Tim Druder. Turn around conference championship game, new new conference champions last year. Brought in Marcus McMarion from a grad transfer mid season and performed very well his first year. You're telling me he can't do fine with a new quarterback who's been on the roster for a couple years? Mm-hmm. He'll be fine. It's just game one. You're playing against a bunch of four and five star defensive backs and linebackers out there running around fast and strong. Yeah, pretty much. And so, I the thing that I get most confident in, in this game is what Tedford, Tedford can do coaching wise. Um, defense, even with the losses, should still be fine. And then you go to USC; they struggled last year, and they can get bored and just lose games because oh, whatever. It's just Fresno State. Who cares? Like I doubt they're taking this game all that seriously, even though. They should, because Fresno could win. Should nine games minimum, I think, is what their case should be. Win the Mountain West is still in the cards, but the Cowboys playing this team for Fresno. Who the heck are these guys? And yeah. I'm guarantee what a good chunk of this roster from Fresno wanted to play at USC and got passed over, didn't get recruited or whatever reason, got no offers, no looks from whoever was the coach with Clay Helton or whoever before. You know what I mean? Those guys. Mm-hmm. So that's going to play into, it, play into it as well. We want to play USC. It's the name team. Even though the team itself could win 10 games, probably win five games, I don't know, somewhere, not probably, but in that range, they were projected second to Pac-12 South. However, Pac-12 South, besides Utah, is, in my opinion, trash. Colorado, whatever. Arizona State, new freshman quarterback, not going to be very good. We saw what Arizona did. You know what I mean? It's like it, it, that division is not that great, I think, overall. It's just okay. And, for, and USC was a distant second place. So who you got? I actually need to check my roster here real quick. You go first. I'm checking my sheet. I so still... <laughs> FEI has USC winning this one by 5.7. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have USC winning this one too. So do I. After all uh, that build 27, up. <laughs> 24. 27. So that means, that means take the points. Clearly take the points, folks. Clearly take the points. What's the over-under in this one? Did we pull up that? 52 as well? and a half. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. What? Sorry, what was your score again? I was typing in my score here. Wait, twenty-seven twenty-four. I think it might be less than. I think it, I'm going to go like twenty to seventeen. All right then. I'm going low scoring game in favor of USC. If I didn't make that clear before. Yeah. But would you? I would not be shocked if Fresno gets a victory because USC's no. just. Uh, we don't know what they are because everything we mentioned: new offense. They might be bored. Or we're playing crappy Fresno, or they think it's crappy Fresno. 
It's a new. I mean, it's a big spotlight for Graham Harrell there. It's them not playing well last year. If that carries over, I mean, Clay Hunt's on the hot seat. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of pressure building out there in Southern California. Yeah. So go to the Coliseum and um, cheer on your Bulldogs. It's not what is it? A five-hour drive from Fresno down there? Six hours? Yeah, it's about four. Oh, four? Not too bad. You are not heading to that one, are you? Because you no. have other obligations in the morning. Yeah. All right, so is this is this really the last game, Matt? Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm I promise. sorry about that. So, week one preview in the books. We'll try to be more streamlined next week because apparently I didn't pay attention to every game, at least the schedule. You're welcome for what? What are you? Almost two hours here. You're welcome? Question mark. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Is that what we say? Or should we compensate? You're welcome. <laughs> hey, for those in traffic, like the show. If you're on your transit in the morning, afternoon, you have a couple of days to listen to this. So, as we wrap up the show next week, recap. Typically, midday Sunday or late morning Sunday, mid afternoon, whatever, before dinner time, clearly, lunchtime. That's the case. I'm out of town this week, as I mentioned. I'm heading down south for a little bit to go to Las Vegas for a little vacation, real quick. Um, Monday at Labor Day, I think. Is that the plan? The people can uh, relax by the poolside one last time and listen to our show? Yes, it is. We will have it. Um, yeah, we'll have it sometime Monday. And just keep checking the site, mwwire.com. Matt's written a ton of previews. I have some other stuff going up, like picks previews uh the quarterback is cl- cl- close to happening stuff like that all the writers are doing a great job follow us on twitter mwc wire we will have just just check us out everywhere we'll have as, whatever you need for your team we'll have it for you nobody's getting neglected folks okay because we like every team equally he says with a smile <laughs> <laughs> all right folks we'll see you next time and hey it's week one here matt we ready to go yes we are all right go your team <laughs>